You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's been a long road getting from season one to three. It's been a long time paying your Paramount Plus fee. It's 7 p.m. and you're with us and it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Norman Lau. Our time must be finally near. We made it, John. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Here we are. We, you and I made it here You together, and I finally. and Holly. Holly made it with mm-hmm. us. She's not here, yeah. but she made the whole trip with us. And we yeah. made it to the end of the final season, or is it, of Star Trek Picard. And it's time yes. for a look back. So, you know, so we have yeah. you know, our favorite moments and other favorite moments and not so favorite moments <laughs> sure um, fair and, and questions you know we all have questions yeah. uh i think that's just it behooves us to have questions we want to hear them all from you you know what to do you click on the zoom link you know over let's see my screen's over here no nope, mm-hmm. over here mm-hmm. and then uh use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and you know what to do you uh bribe earl of the green room and he'll let you in <laughs> Right. And speaking of Earl in the green room, you and I and Earl in the green room only moments ago were entertained by the chat that's already happening in Facebook. Amazing. Yeah. So much fun. I love it. I uh, wait, was it Dave's of Future Past? Dave's of Future Past? Because yeah. we had the Paul Fecta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I love that we have these subgroups within our group. So welcome everybody. <laughs> David's abound. In fact, a new David that I'm seeing in the chat right now. Glad to see you new David. Uh, I guess other David can still be other David. That's fine. Uh, good to see you, Dave. <laughs> good to see you, Brett. Good to see you, Jim. Uh, Paul, there's at least one of our Pauls. I know that there are more out there. Alan, good to see you. I, I expect you'll probably call in at some point tonight. There's Mark and uh, Mark saying having Picard every Thursday got to be something to look forward to. We'll just think, Mark, more Star Trek to look forward to starting in a little over a month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hang with us. We're going to take a break, but then we'll be back for uh, Strange New Worlds. And that comes up. There's Tate. There's oh, there's the other Paul. There's Heather, part of our mission log team. Glad to see you. Um, and she says, I'm enjoying our Strange New Worlds rewatch discussions leading up to season two. We will also talk about that in our mid show break tonight, because that mm-hmm. is very cool. Do not miss that. Uh, there's Brandon. Uh, who else we got? Norm. Uh, Carlos. See. We have Matthew. Yeah. Ooh, Gary uh, from Chicago, my my old hometown. Uh, yeah, nice to see everyone. Paul with a hello, Norm and John. So hello, hello to Paul. us. Yeah, hello to oh, us. Nice. So glad to see you all here. And uh, yes, we are waiting for all of you to line up in the Earl Green Room to share your thoughts with us. And uh, why don't we check in about what's happening this week on Mission Log? I'll take the first part. Our coverage of Voyager continues Thursday with Blood Fever. It's the one where spring is definitely in the air, especially if you're a Vulcan going through Ponfar and accidentally share a telepathic mating ritual with a certain half Klingon. Now, Norman, mm-hmm. you and Charlene and Earl are cooking up something for Mission Log Prodigy. You want to give us just a little teaser? Like, like we don't give it all away, but you got something happening. Okay, so just a small spoiler. So you're right. Uh, Char and Earl and I will be recording our next episode for Star Trek Prodigy very soon. And we will we'll be reviewing these five-inch figures you may have heard about them before action figures 
for the first wave of Star Trek Prodigy toys. So make sure that you check us out. We're going to have live unboxings and we're going to do that tomorrow. And you'll be able to find that and also all of our shows, including Mission Log, The Orville on podcasts.roddenberry.com. Um, those are the audio versions, but we also have very specific video versions. And you can find those at youtube.com forward slash Roddenberry Entertainment. So make sure that you like, click, share, and subscribe to those. And believe me, you do not want to miss the video version of the unboxing because that's where all the magic happens. It may sound good on the radio. It's going to look way better on the video. (laughs) That's what's happening. So make sure you stay in touch with all of our podcasts at podcasts.roddenberry.com. All right. Nice. Yeah. Already people saying there's Heather, I want Murph. And uh, I think that is a common refrain that uh, we'll be hearing from a lot of our listeners and a lot of other Prodigy fans. Um, By the way, I am so glad that we already have so many people lined up in the chat. But uh, let me tell you, before we even get to our first callers, uh, Earl says it's a virtual Hollywood squares in the Earl Green Room right now. And uh, all of you who have not called in yet, please do call in. We'll zip through as many as we can. Um, I, I do... I, you know, we get emails and texts from friends of the show who maybe can't join us live, can't call in for whatever reason. And I wanted to share this one from a big friend of the show, Scott Palm. And uh, this is his question to everybody in our audience. He says, uh, we almost heard Captain Seven's catchphrase. So you're a starship captain. What would be your phrase? And Scott says, mine would be, let's go. I could do a better reading of that. Let's go. Let's do something dramatic, right? right. Um, so that is his question to our audience, and I expect to see some good answers in the chat tonight as we talk, and we'll check in from time to time with those just for you, Scott. And- I almost felt like that was too much pressure on Seven, like right there. <laughs> like, you know, you're... But, but look, she she has like the knowledge of the universe in her head. You know, you would think that like she's heard all the good that she among all people be able to come up with a great one just immediately i think I she's know, thought about it maybe you know? i'd yeah. feel the pressure i'd be like all um there it is um <laughs> and warp speed there it is <laughs> I, which by the way i think is really funny at the end of the teaser for strange new world season two i i do like spock's hesitation <laughs> there uh earl already chiming in earl's got it down floor it that's there it. you go yeah, so nobody else can have that. Although Paul close with a uh, with a step on it, uh, so I think that's really really good, Dave, to catch you with proceed or comply. I think that would be a good uh, a good seven one for sure. I think if BC says Alamarine at any time. He probably already has. I can't see the YouTube chat tonight. He probably already has about three times. He's no longer welcome. (laughs) 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 No, we love you, BC. Plain, simple, BC. We love you. All right. Uh, Cool. Well, I I tell you what, man. I I don't know if you want to start with a note. I've got notes. You've got notes. Stuff that we've carried over from uh, the last 10 episodes that we've been watching all along. Should we do that or should we just go right to our first caller? I I, I do love reading our notes and maybe yes. we can find a place to read these notes sometime else, elsewhere for content. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah. So let's, I don't know. I think we should maybe jump into some callers. Maybe they may have similar notes that they want to share and we can okay. just kind of build on top of that. I, I want to get our first caller in here, who I believe is going to be Cosmo. And as we are getting Cosmo moved into our uh, live stream, 
I, I do. Here's another thing that I want to uh, like parse out to people because I, I love Scott Palm's question. I think that Spencer saying, give me the boogie. <laughs> that's, oh. that's his. And then, that's it. great. I love that. But I do want to ask as well, like ask of you and ask of our listeners, like I, I want you to think about what are the highlights, but what also do you feel are weak points in mm-hmm. the show? Not because we're here to, to pick things apart in any sort of like negative critical way, but, but that is what we're doing kind of from this top down view tonight is we get to look back at all 10 episodes and say, all right, what, what do we make of it all? And what worked for us? What didn't work for us? And I'll, I'll start out. Uh, let's see here. Cosmo hasn't quite made it to us yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll give her a little second to move him into the, into the chat. I don't know if you had the same experience that I did, but very often we're working on regular mission log. You watch something once and you have this sort of gut reaction. Like, uh, this didn't really work for me. I don't know if I love this episode. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through it. And you watch it again and you start to find the the nuances and the things that you love. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think I look back at this whole season and I think episode by episode, a lot of my criticisms might've been, sort of pointed an episode rubbed me the wrong way. Then when I look back at the whole thing, I think like, well, kind of like I teased a few weeks ago on this show. I think my positions have softened a little bit because I'm so won over by the cast and their chemistry, but I also have to put certain blinders on and go, okay, I just can't get too much in the minutia of the story and the mechanics of how they got people from one place to another. But because if I do that all day, then I will go nuts and I will just be hypercritical. I'm wondering, um, I, 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 I'm wondering if like in a rewatch, if you do the entire thing in one sitting mm. and treat it as one 10 hour ish movie instead of, you know, 10, one hour ish episodes, would it be different? You know, mm. it's, it's mm. kind of like, so, cause sometimes I feel like because they're so syndicated yeah. that they don't have the same type of beginning, middle and end structure per episode that leads you into a cadence of, okay, this is an episode and the next one's an episode and the next one's an episode. And, you know, just by sheer coincidence or maybe some careful planning, a little careful planning that it all makes sense as one large story, as opposed to watching it with the intention of watching it as one large story. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know if it would make any difference just in terms of the consumption of that. And if the character beats would make a different sense because the rhythm is different if you looked at it that way. Well, see, here's what's so weird because I can look back at seasons one and two of Picard. I'm going to leave Stranger Worlds out because it is episodic, but I can look back at seasons one and two of Picard. I can look back at seasons one through four of Discovery. And with all of those, I can say, Oh, okay. I liked this season more than another season. You know, comparatively, uh, Discovery season four, I liked better than three, two, I liked better than one or whatever. You know, but with Picard right now with season three, I can tell you for a fact, like episodes three, four, five, I think are still my favorite out of the season and like specifically mm. those episodes. And yeah. I feel like we, we kind of hit the skids when we got to six, seven. We started to pick up again, and I feel like 9 and 10 had a good deal of payoff. But I'm actually looking at that series a little more that way mm-hmm. than I did with others. So, yeah, it, it, it's it been 
it's been an interesting journey this season, maybe because we were paying attention to certain things because it felt like the stakes were higher from the beginning because we knew this was the end. You know? Yeah, and, and that's an interesting way of looking at it. like having this uh, the kind of like the stigma on top of the uh, series. Like you're waiting, maybe because we were anticipating this being the end, we we're expecting the payoffs or every episode to be bigger, larger, like more complex. You know, with and, and it's not that they weren't. You know, it's just maybe some people have may have had some preconceived notions about what they were supposed to see. Tate makes up a great, a really good point in chat. It reminds me of watching a 10 parter classic Doctor Who. I mean, it's kind of like watching the Key to Time series. You know, yeah. each individual, you know, segment is a great episode on its own, but also has this great overarching story, story arc. And I think that's maybe what was missing a little bit in the balance of not just this season, but maybe kind of like these newer seasons where you don't have like, great individual singular episodes as in, in concert with one great singular storyline at the same time. Um, yeah. I think strange new worlds may have gotten closest to that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, uh, you know, if, if they're going to continue with that, you know, format moving forward. But I think, well, actually I want to know what other people think. <laughs> <what> I think. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, I love Carlos in the chat. He says, will the new series be finding Laris? I hope too so. soon, Carlos. Too <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's go to our first caller. Sorry about the delay there, but Cosmo, welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us. What's on your mind? Good evening, gentlemen. Um, Good evening. Yeah, for me, the emotional character beats made up for any of the plot problems I had. And there was no singular moment that was a deal breaker for me. Like I look back to season two of Picard. I hated the scene where Rafi and seven are pinned down by the 30 special ops Borg with laser rifles. Mm -hmm. And they charge across an open field with a couple of shivs and somehow they survive that, that, you know, there was nothing like that in this season that made me really throw up my hand. I know some people, uh, uh, that are going to be on after me. It really didn't like it, but uh, yeah. for me, the character stuff was enough to uh, get me through it. Um, looking back at the season, Vatic really didn't work for me, and it mm. was kind of disappointing how after she uh, was killed, it turns out essentially just a pawn of the Borg, and uh, so that was kind of disappointing. Um, uh, and I, I think Jean-Luc was probably my least favorite of the main cast this season mm -hmm. uh you know he was fine uh he was more active than he has been in the previous two seasons but still um i, I enjoyed all the other people like wharf Riker, uh beverly uh jordy i enjoyed their moments a lot more than the majority of the picard stuff yeah. I had a note here, uh, Worf living his best post next generation life <laughs> and deep space nine life to be honest with you i thought Worf was pitch perfect in this yes. series absolutely yes. absolute perfection and raker right up there with him yeah know? yeah and to hear frakes talk about before the season how he was nervous to get his acting shoes back on he just he, he was the mvp for me he was fantastic and they pulled off data at least for me uh, i was nervous about the whole lore thing and i didn't know what to expect and uh, i really enjoyed spiner and i think they did it it was it was genuinely a new take on data and it wasn't 
I didn't enjoy Generations data and some of the, the movie data with the emotion ship. And this was a nice balance and I, I enjoyed the heck out of them. And it was once Jordy got over being grumpy, uh, I enjoyed Jordy's presence. Um, uh, you know, that first episode, I, I didn't really vibe with him, but uh, you had to have like a mini arc. There. Yeah. We, we had to give Jordy a mini arc. Let, let me ask you something about data though, because this is a perfect segue for an email that I got from a friend of the show, Adam, who is in the UK, can't join us most of the time live because it is late or very early, depending on how you look at it, where he is. But he, he sent this great uh, email with a lot of notes, and I, no way I can get to all of them tonight. But one of those he brought up was uh, about data. And he said, season three's biggest issue for me are its clashes with the first two seasons of this show. Picard letting data go in season one was one of the most powerful moments I've experienced with Trek. But look out. He's back and in a new body again. It's great to see an emotive data in a fully realized human-type body, but it completely undercuts what happened at the end of season one. Um, I get where he's coming from, and I guess it depends on who you are, how much you decide to sort of turn off that part of your brain that says, all of these things need to line up for me. Because that is certainly something that Star Trek fans do. They want things to be consistent in that universe. Uh, but then does it undermine, does it undercut, as he says, when, yeah, you can bring Spock back once. But once we do that, then you can bring anybody back any number of times, especially the android. Uh, how, uh, or the uh, robot. Or the I love that. <laughs> yeah. that look on his face when she said it. So great. What uh, What do you think, Cosmo? Uh, it, it, for somebody who really dislikes season one and two of Picard, I did find I did find that data moment at the end very touching and meaningful. And uh, same thing with the Q thing. And now Q's not dead either. So right. this right. season three undid two things, the, the most significant things from season one and two. Yeah, um, I love Delancey. So in the grand scheme of things, I don't mind it, I guess. But it is very strange to have them just say, I didn't like that. I'm going to undo it. But, but see, that that's where I and I totally get that. I mean, it, because if things didn't sit well with you and you just go like, yeah, I'm going to undo it. But there are so many arguments in Star Trek fandom that go along the lines of how dare they do this thing because they established in this footnote 30 years ago <laughs> that that we can't do that and you know uh, uh, so much digital ink will be spilled over that one thing but then it comes to something pretty big like a huge character arc a huge character moment twice and we just go like yeah i'm, I'm good I'm, I'm good to forget that I, i'm good to not have to feel like i have to connect the dots there it's emotionally difficult to reconcile goodbyes you know, um, yeah. when you're so emotionally invested in the in the moment when it it really connects with you, you know, there you have this great emotional cathartic moment as an audience member and you make peace with it. And then, you know, not shortly after, does that wound get reopened again, only to be asked to try and make peace with it again? 
right? So yeah. it's it's difficult to do that because it's, you know, these characters mean a lot to us. And when we want to say our goodbyes, we say goodbye. It's literally the most singular, most powerful word in the human language is goodbye, right? So when you do that, you don't want to say goodbye again. It's like making this dramatic exit after a party and you have to go back because you lost your car keys. You know, it's like, oh, well, sorry, I didn't really mean to leave. I just left, but I didn't. So now I'm leaving, right? And yeah. you, know, you just lose all the emotional impact of that. And I think that's, <laughs> it's difficult to see that happen, you know, and, and especially with, quote unquote, the goodbye season, right? So that's like I said. It was worth it to see Jordy and Data reunite and get the goodbye and then the They were fabulous. And because other than O'Brien and Bashir, I I think that's one of the strongest friendships in Trek. And uh, so that was great for me. And um, one last thought, because I know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of callers. I hope that new Trek in general can... Uh, communicate a little bit. It was weird that Prodigy had a finale with a big Starfleet fleet getting taken over and fighting each other. And then this one, and I know animation (laughs) takes longer, but just like somebody write a memo and say, Hey, we're doing this so that somebody else doesn't do it. Um, But even in spite of that, I didn't mind it. It didn't ruin anything for me. And, um, I, and I just want to give everybody props for keeping the uh, secrets. I, I, I was blindsided by Roe yes. and I was pleased mm-hmm. by Shelby. And so congrats to everybody who was in production and kept the secrets because and kept the leaks from happening because those surprises were really nice. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you, Cosmo. Love the comments. See and, uh, we'll see you again soon. Hey, uh, we've got Rand standing by who we'll get to very, very quickly, but I wanted to share this comment from the chat. I mm-hmm. love what Brett says here. I'm still disappointed that they didn't give us anything better than Jack is Picard's son. And in the end, the whole plot of the season hinged on that fact. Love seeing my crew together again, but it always felt a little tainted. And I get what you're saying you know if you're going to introduce this whole new character who everything is central to we need to spend a little more time with that otherwise he just feels very detached from the whole thing i think jack lost a lot of his agency once like Riker started going are you not seeing what i'm seeing you know and do you not know what he looks like who he looks like it's like yeah it's like come on i know that you're you have a lot of skilled writers in the writer's room, but that was some pretty decent bludgeoning, you know, to, as a matter of fact, to make a point. And once he became Jack Crusher Picard, it kind of changed his tone a lot, you know, and his, hit his, and lose a little bit of the agency of his character that we saw as kind of like this young hotshot Han Solo. We kind of pilot at the very beginning, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's uh, say hi to our next caller. And that is Rand. How's it going, Rand? Hey, Rand. How are you tonight? How are you guys? Yeah, good to see hey, you. Good to see. It's funny, the other day in uh, Discord, I, I loved you had that dramatic lighting, and you, you looked, uh, we were all going around naming, it was like, uh, you, you know, the judges from uh, the Krypton, Krypton. <laughs> yeah, or uh, uh, the, the head from Quark, if you remember that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Guilty. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> good to see you tonight. I'm changing up the lighting here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. what's, uh, what's on your mind, man? Uh, well, I just wanted to echo off a little bit what you were just talking about, um, you know, the saying goodbyes to characters and everything. And for, for me, going into this, if... If I if if it had ended with Picard's death, I would have been really pissed off. Mm. Only because I've seen that story. I've seen the ending of that story a million times, where we 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 you know pull a beloved 
franchise, you know, out of the mothballs. We see this character back, and then we're like, we don't know what to do with him. He doesn't want to do this bro anymore, so let's kill him. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I have to reconcile that and be sad and think about that every time I watch any of the old stuff again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know they've got a better way to end Picard's story than just saying, you know what? It's in vogue. Let's kill him. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Hey, hey, look, it's never over because if we learned anything, they're just going to keep your body on ice at section 31 for decades and decades for no good reason. So, mm-hmm. you know, no worries there. That's so, true. Yeah. They'll, they'll do an army of Picard clones and Kirk clones. <laughs> they'll, they'll just keep them coming. Yeah. I was almost surprised we didn't see clone Kirk when we saw him on the, in the, the Daystrom station. Yeah. The, the thing that I, I, I really dug about about this season three and and i might have said before i'm I'm big into fan service i love all the callbacks i love all the the kitschy stuff and um if like like it feels like terry metilis took like went to grandma's house took this really precious thing off the shelf Uh and then played with it for a whole season (laughs) and then very carefully put it right back where he found it right up to the ending sequence where they're playing cards. Right. You know, and I was like, ah, I love that. It's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Treat it with respect. Just like grandma would have wanted. It's an old thing. We all love it. And, uh, and put it back right where it belongs. So you, you put it in a really nice way. Norman and I are having a conversation. I, I can't remember how long ago. And, and, uh, we put it a very different way. It was like, you know, this is how at the end of Book of Boba Fett, you get out all the action figures and you put them all together and make them play out a new scenario. And then you put the action figures back, you know, but that that's it. Y- yours is a little more poetic. <laughs> Rand never uh, specifically said what was on Grandma's mantle. That's true. That's so true. You just had to treat I, it with care. <laughs> it, it's the Star Trek collector plates. We, of course we know. It, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> on the Tom Paris one in there, too. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rand, any other thoughts tonight before we uh, say hi to our next caller? Yeah, just one 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 quick wrap up. Wrap up is I know this has been a, a, a perpetual topic of conversation. Is we're seeing the Borg again, and um, I know I, I think I would have really loved it if that big red herring they threw out was actually true, and we got to see Moriarty as the villain. Uh... It would have been so cool, and I, I I was slightly disappointed to see what it was reduced to, but eh, take the good with the bad. Hey, you are not alone. There are people in the chat saying they want more Moriarty. So, uh, yeah, you are definitely not alone. Um, I I was a little surprised, a little chagrined that they went with more Borg. And it's kind of funny because, you know, Norm and I, having done all of DS9, having gotten into three seasons of Voyager, and we just now are getting this little tease of the Borg and suddenly it's new again and suddenly Mm. it's different again. And it feels like a very weird reaction to have compared to just all the Borg we've gotten in the last (laughs) seasons of Picard, you know? Yeah. 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 All right, Rand, take care. Good to hear from you. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Rand. Next time. Bye. All right. And uh, let's jump right over to Tim, uh, how is it going tonight, Tim? Good to see you. John Norman, it's hey, great Tim. to be back here hey. on Mission Log Live, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Oh, Thank you. Very happy wow. to have you. Thanks for that branding. You yeah, that's perfect, job, man. Love it. It. It, sh- it shouldn't fall on you guys to rep the brand yourselves. So let us <laughs> take some <laughs> of the burden you. off your backs. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm losing my voice here? tonight. I apologize. My voice is uh, is failing me. But I, I wanted to ask what you think of the, the legacy of the show is going to be as a three season series. And I know that most shows have one or two seasons that are generally considered to be skippable, right? Notorious mm. for being not the best seasons. But I suspect there will be many people for whom a series rewatch of Picard will just be season three. Uh, yeah. And that will likely be the case for me. But then I look back and I think, well, we liked Laris. We liked mm -hmm. Rios. There was mm -hmm. some fun action. Uh, there was that time Brent Spiner hit Patrick Stewart with a car. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, we, there was a folder with Project Con written on it. Remember that? And we all got mm -hmm. chills. Couldn't right. sleep for weeks. Right. Um, so is the legacy of this series destined to just be season three? Uh, or, I mean, you guys are going to have to rewatch this in a few years. How do you feel? Yeah about the series as a three season whole. Yeah. Norman, you go first. <laughs> Thank you, John. This is like ordering at a restaurant. It's like, are you ready? Not ready. Five more minutes. No, you go first. <laughs> you right? go. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to try and say this probably as delicately as I can. I think that this series legacy is going to be what it needs to be for the people that need it to be that, you know, that's the only way that Star Trek really works in my opinion anymore, because there's so much content so that if people loved say the uh, the Quatmalat, you know, and uh, all of the the Romulan content that was going on in Picard season one. And then, you know, of course, like Soji and Elnor, you know, and these were great characters that were that were being developed over time. Raffi and Seven's relationship, Rios, you know, the La, um, La Serena, the ship and their new home, a la like the Firefly crew. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of really good content that was happening. And I think it's unfortunate that it wasn't carried off into season three. I mean, some points where I can't be unfair and say nothing was referenced, um, but not in the respect that it pulls all three seasons together. So I think that there will be pockets of our audience and our fandom that I think will actually say, you know what? No, Picard for me is seasons one and two, you know, because there is one thing that I think that the fandom in general, the Star Trek fandom in general, and most tentpole fandoms have this mentality of, we believe everyone has seen all of it the way that I have. And that's not, that's patently untrue because there are new generations being born every year that are getting into Star Trek right now, like into their, in their younger years, teens, like in pro like younger adults or teens into prodigy or even younger adults into their adulthood now in these last four or five years of Star Trek. And that's the only Star Trek they know. And that's the only Star Trek they ever want to know, you know, because that's meaningful for them. So if it's meaningful for them, that's the Star Trek for them. And I think that that's the only way to really rationalize that moving forward. If that's well said, and I'll also I have the shrimp. And then <laughs> right. a little bit of extra cocktail sauce. <laughs> right. Now I'm right. done with my order. I'm done with my okay, order. Okay, nicely done. Um, yes, I, I agree with you, Norman. And, and I think Star Trek uh, falls into these unfair popular opinions where it's like, okay, the, the first se season of Next Gen really sucks. 
And the second season, you can skip it because we can't remember who Pulaski is, but, but they really hit their stride in three or same thing has been said of Voyager. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There, there are so many good things to be found in those seasons. And if you really want to pay attention to the characters and this journey that they're on, you owe it to yourself to see them all and to see the, the way they grow and the way the show changes, you know? So I, I don't want to be unfair and say to anyone, yeah, you can just skip the first two seasons of Picard because as Norm just pointed out, there's so much that's good there. But, but, but it comes down to, I think, a really important thing. And to me, it leaves a huge gaping question about the point of season three of Picard, because I can't look at the point of season three of Picard to just be a great Star Trek show. I think that this is a very good to great Star Trek show that is designed specifically for the audience who is there either in 1987 or grew up with the next gen movies or grew up with a parent who grew up with those movies. And for them, they needed that extra dose. They needed that extra hit. And I, I like, I've been on the air here many, many times saying the cool thing about being a Trek fan now is you can go out and find the things that really speak to you and, and just really dig into those. And you don't have to love every show equally. You don't have to spend as much time on all of them. You can find the ones that really speak to you. But it leaves me with this question to say, okay, are we left with season three of Picard with this feeling that this is a show that is really for that generation of fans because it specifically speaks to them? And if that is by design, okay, so be it. They made a a calculation at Paramount Plus to say, that's the show that we want to commission here. We want to show that that it's, absolutely reaches out to them and grabs the heartstrings of them. And we're just not that worried about an audience of, you know, 22 year olds who are not already next gen fans for whatever reason. Um, We don't really care if that's not your show. So if by design, this is the way to give a pat on the back to those fans who have been around for 30 plus years, Cool. They they did a nice job. They did a nice job with that. I don't know if I quite got the same feels that I got at the end of Star Trek Six when you see the signatures come up on screen, and that just like is a is just and a punch in the heart. You that's know? a high bar to meet. That's a it very is, high is. bar but, to meet. But yeah. I guarantee you, there are people in our audience tonight who saw the Enterprise D and felt it exactly the same way that I mm-hmm. did watching Star Trek Six. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a little weird to look at it this way and go like, okay. I'm not really talking about the story. I'm just talking about the context of how and when this was made for this group of fans that that really touched. I I don't want to take that away from people, um, but it is an odd way to look at this series. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think, Tim? Well, you know, I think the Terry Metalis did a very interesting thing in that, um, he, he took time to include unnecessary callbacks to seasons one and two. Certainly, he could have found a way to weave this plot without referencing Picard ever having a robot body. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, um, there is a moment when Data comes back into the conference room and the crew is reassembled. And Picard takes a moment to ask Data, Data, your other self asked uh 
to to ask us to let him die. Are you cool with us, you know, having done that and still having resurrected you? A reference to season one that was wholly unnecessary. But for all of us who went through the entire series, who were all thinking that, wait a second, Data wanted to die and now he's resurrected. A single line of dialogue, you know, a single exchange he included to ensure that there was at least some continuity there, uh, you know, respecting those who who may have really been invested in what happened in season one and season two. So, um, you know, this was this was very much a season at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm a, I'm somebody who was a kid when The Next Generation aired. To me, this was about getting the cast back around that poker table and undoing some of the some of the damage. I, I, I would call it damage of the TNG films. Mm. And so for me, I, I will be eternally grateful for that. Um, will I ever watch season one and two again? Eh, maybe maybe <laughs> you know but yeah. but for me that that emotional impact of uh the card showing the deck of cards and and knowing they're going back around the table and the camera shot is the same and i'm taken back and to the, that feeling yeah and, yep. yeah. and the overhead the down shot. shot yep and that spectacular ending of all good things is now restored yeah. uh and and for me I will forever be grateful. Uh, and that's all, that's all I really needed at the end of this series. So that's where Perfect. I stand on it. Tim, yeah. I'm going to let you know a little secret because I, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world that uh, today I had lunch with a friend who is a, uh, a next gen fan, hasn't watched any of the new Star Trek shows. And he was asking wow. me about Picard and, and telling me how big a fan he is of Next Gen, but he's, he's finishing watching that with his son and he wants to know what to do next. I'm like, Oh, just watch season three of Picard. <laughs> but, but but here's the thing. I mostly said that out of respect for his time. Mm -hmm. But I think realistically, I love I, I love the idea of doing this side story with Picard and figuring out who he is 30 years later before getting back to his found family. Mm -hmm. I hate that we have now missed. I mean, again, we said it earlier, uh, it, you know, too bad about Laris. I hate that we're missing those components because those are important and valid as well. Um, but I, I like that we got to take those stories and take the time to incorporate Seven and Rafi and make them have meaning before we got to season three. So ideally, I, I want them all to be there on the table. But season three is unique and it is unique by design, you know? Yeah, if there was a phase season, say like if Picard was season four, this was season four, and they phased out certain characters from three to four with a mm. logical progression of phasing them out, yeah. I think that would have been less abrupt. It's just the abruptness of it. And you know, we're all realists. I mean, you know, we all understand how the business works, and you know, they have a set, you know, the you know, a finite amount of budget. And if you're going to go for a budget like they did for this particular season, you're going for your top shelf budget items, right? You're looking yeah. for the next generation right. seven and the special effects for the ships. And if they could include a couple of other characters, that's great, but they didn't have it for, they really needed to have the transitional season, you know? And, and I think mm -hmm. that that would have really brought a very strong four seasons to round out the Picard storyline. It's just, you know, I, I think that they just either ran out of time or money or both, you know, to yeah. do that. But if they, if they could have done it, I think that, that was probably a, a good logical progression of being able to give both sides of the audience what they wanted. Yeah. Tim, thank you so much. I love your contributions to our show and I hope we see you again soon. Okay. 
Appreciate right. it. Thank you both. All right. Thanks, Tim. Okay. Hey, uh, look, I know that we're past about on the hour. We usually take our break now, but we've got a ton of calls and I know we're going to run a little late tonight. Yeah. Uh, so I would love to just go ahead and talk to Brandon and then we'll, uh, then we'll do business after we talk to Brandon. The business. How, how are you doing hey, tonight, guys. friend? How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I think, um, so it's interesting. A lot of the conversation about whether people have enjoyed this season or the show in general have really sort of centered around the balance of new stuff versus things for old fans. Um, for me, I feel like in, in both cases, um, you've heard me express some frustrations. You might've heard it uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, on here, but I, I, it's for me, it's not about channeling like my inner comic book guy, um, but taking it sort of in a vacuum. I, I actually, it's not entirely in a vacuum because it's actually been against some of the other newer Trek shows. We talk about Strange New Worlds, we talk about Prodigy Lower Decks, and I'm like, okay, we can do this. We can write a really good, compelling story. And if any characters or any like cast, uh, are still around and deserve it, it's this one. And I feel like, People should have said, this is going to be, this is going to be my opus. I need to make sure that I write the best things I possibly can for this cast because the last time they're together. Yeah. Um, now I, d- I found season three better than season two, but for me, that's kind of like saying the rock could probably take me in a fight. Um, <laughs> like hey, he, he couldn't take seven of nine. Okay. We haven't gotten to that episode yet. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't. I can't even pronounce uh, that episode. What's it called? Like suits. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this season had some good moments and some good spectacles, but like my grievance with it has been that, that often felt like that was all that they really cared about. The writers cared about was the moments and the spectacles, regardless of the sacrifice. And, and it was so point to point that sometimes I felt like I was on a shuttle bus um, just to get to the next piece. Well, we need Jack needs to be with the board queen. So he's going to do this now. Yeah. Um, and, and, that makes your pacing kind of go crazy too, as you're like, well, we need 10 roughly hour long episodes. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes it's like, Oh, we don't have time. We don't, have, don't worry about it. We don't have time. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, actually we need to really mm, holding <laughs> right, pattern. Right, right. Um, and so you get with it, with the focus on just dramatic moments, you get things that leave huge character questions with characters who are really good, have really good history. I mean, you know, love the moments that you get with Riker and Deanna, but in that same season, you have a moment where you've got William Riker telling Jean-Luc Picard to leave the bridge of a starship and telling him in the most condescending and angry voice, you've just killed us all in front of the entire bridge crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is staggering to me. There's got to be a huge acknowledgement of this in the next episode, right? No, it's forgotten by the next episode. It's just dramatic moments so we can hit this cliffhanger. Yeah. And, and, and through all of that, we get these, this Picard who has become a failure, whose plans never work so that we can move the goalposts again and again to drag out that story. And yeah. it, I, it kills me because we just do this for the, 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 the sake of suspense and, and, we I feel like we can do better than that. And and that is what really just Yeah. I, I, I hear you, man. I, I absolutely hear you because yeah, you we all have that ability now, I think, because we are all so much more media savvy that it, it it's like 
Well, I don't even know that that has changed that much because we do it all the time looking at 80s, 90s Star Trek. You get to that 41 minute mark and you're like, okay, they, they got to bring it all home now in the next six minutes because <laughs> those credits have got to run. And we, we know this has to get wrapped up. We know I have to move on to the next thing. And it feels maybe a little more cynical when you also know that you have to lead to this big traumatic ending because we have been told over and over, this is the most important Star Trek Picard story yet. You know, we've been told that, that, uh, that we can and will be affected emotionally by this because this is what we expect of you. Um, There are character moments like that, like you just pointed out, and there are just, set piece moments like that that i'm still having a big problem with like renaming the titan the enterprise g i i i I have far too many thoughts on that to get into in our little one hour show even if we went another two hours beyond this um and maybe there will be yelling uh when we get to vegas and uh and do this in person i don't know but um yeah, I, I I know what you're saying, and yeah, I, I didn't, Norm, do you feel the same way? Because I I do, but at the same time, though, I think I I really do uh, want to bring back the discussion of why do they have to be ten one hour long episodes in yeah. these seasons, right? Because it's like watching the director's cut, like uh, the the I should say like the non director's cut of a movie. We all have seen theatrical releases of movies where whip cuts and jump cuts just make no sense from, you know, scene to scene. There's a scene like one of my favorite movies of all time is James Cameron's director's cut of The Abyss. There's literally a scene where one of the characters, Ed Harris, has no blue dye on his hand. And in the next scene, there's blue dye on his hand. And there's a specific reason why. And that's what a truncated, in my opinion, truncated time frame uh, does to what can have these wonderful breathable moments that just don't fit into this 10 episode format so you're taking a 22 episode season filled with the amount of characters um you know that are requisite for a 22 episode season and then the you know the networks are like let's cut this down to 10 hours okay Mm -hmm. so remember that scene that you know that you know picard and Riker, like you know they went off into their room and they kind of apologized to each other because you know Riker was like really dressing him down and shouldn't have done that is that is that important well not really because the other scene's important and the other scene after that's more important so let's cut that one out maybe we'll talk about it later and we don't so that's what this feels like these series now feel like like these very chopped down versions of a far longer series that we're used to having and i think it's kind of like now it's like imagine today's um today's movies are like uh or or i should say today's series are like star trek 2 very you know very uh um explosive and you know you have these great dramatic moments and you have all of these like you know very pivotal scenes versus say star trek the motion picture or the motionless picture that's like the 90s storytelling versus today right you know you have long wonderful sometimes tedious but gets to a great ending story and then you have three explosive moments or four explosive moments that really make you say wow that was worth seeing i should see that again i think that's what's happening today you know, 22 episodes versus 10 episodes. And you lose a lot of the nuance. 
you know, in the, uh, you know, in the lost and in, in lost in the translation. That's what, that's the way I see it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you hear the interviews from some like showrunners who have made shows for Netflix or made shows for HBO or made them for both there, I've, I've heard some interviews where they've said like, yeah, I went to HBO and HBO said 10 one hour episodes. That's what you need to give me. And Netflix said, how many episodes do you need? And I don't know, how long should they be? You want this one to be a half an hour and that one's 90 minutes. I don't care. Whatever. We're dropping the whole thing all at once. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Brandon, we got to move on. Uh, We can absolutely do this all night. And I (laughs) I hope we get (laughs) another chance to talk about this because the the ideas are flowing. All right. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Have a good uh, one. Yeah, you too. Uh, We will come right back to our next caller in just a few seconds. But uh, Norman and I would be remiss if we didn't remind you about patreon.com slash mission log because we tend to spend a lot of our time in the mission log discord. It is a fantastic alternative to the noise of social media with honestly a bunch of Fans like you're hearing tonight, people who just want to geek out and talk about the nuance and depth of Trek, in addition to a lot of other fandoms, uh, as well as food and travel and conventions and all kinds of things. In what I would say is uh, uh, a much more sophisticated, thoughtful way to chat than, oh, you know, your average uh, social media platform like a, like a Facebook or a Twitter. Who needs yeah. that, right? Come on. <laughs> Even though we're broadcasting right now on all of the above. But <laughs> um, so you know what to do. Join us at patreon.com slash mission log. That will give you your key to our discord. Uh, Norman, any highlights? What's going on? I know we got a, uh, always weekly live chats there, live video happening there. Well, one of the things I am really disappointed in uh, right now is, and I said this in our Picard spoiler section, I'm really sad that Picard's over because our discussion is going to ramp down. And that discussion for Star Trek Picard season three is some of the best content that we've had so far in Discord. Yes. The, the amount yes. of of pros and cons, the amount of discussion, the, the respectfulness, you know, hearing all sides, having a lot of fun. That's what this is all about. And you can do that in, in you know, in a, in a space that uh, th- that respects that, you know, and, and encourages that. And uh, th- one other thing that I mentioned and I teased earlier on, I said that, you know, John and I were going to get some notes. And if we don't get to our notes, we can maybe talk about this somewhere else. Well, one of the things we started doing on our Patreon only uncut videos for Mission Log Patreon and Discord is that John and I, when we have extra notes from our shows, we bring those as value added material or the yes. BAM, as we call it, yes. to specifically just the uncut version of that video exclusive for our Patreon subscribers only. So if we don't get to notes here, we might bring them up in another conversation in our live conversation That's on the uncut videos. There we go. Patreon.com slash mission log. We still have a bunch of callers to get to. We are going to run long tonight. We will try not to overstay our welcome too much. Uh, but let's go to Alan. And uh, Alan, what is on your mind tonight, my friend? Gentlemen, Hello. Uh, just uh, just uh, happy to, to, to be with you guys tonight. Um, recapping... I would say a, a very overall a very a very good uh, season of, of of Picard and yeah I just I I'm I'm finding myself sort of listening into the conversation as we go and you know depending on how things where the discussion goes I'm like oh that that's a good point that's a good point um, I think uh, first of all. I, uh, 
when I think back on this season, it, it is going for me. It is going to be primarily the performances, and uh, especially you know certain you know top top line performers. Uh, I don't know what it says about me as a TV consumer, um, but when I think about it, has there been a better lead performance this year than Patrick Stewart? that I've seen has there been a better supporting performance that I've seen this year than Jonathan Frakes has there been a better featured performance this year than Todd Stashwick I don't know that there has been I mean and again I'm I'm not the most discerning viewer I watched all of the arc but <laughs> you know I don't know I, I do you think there's a chance that you know, someone from the show gets recognized. I mean, I just think about Picard talking to Jack in the final episode in the, in the, uh, the Borg nexus and, yeah. you know, saying, I'll, I'll be here with you. And just yeah. that, that gutted me that, that moment sticks with me more than practically anything else this, this season, including the D as this is what this show is about. This is a, an actor giving, the best performance that he possibly can. I, I think here's something that's really important about what you're saying is that we do live in an era where now there are so many more shows and choices by orders of magnitude than what we had 10 years ago, certainly more than 20 or 30 years ago. So our attention is stretched so thin and there's a lot of noise. There's a lot oh, yeah. of junk out there. And there are a lot of shows and a lot of franchises that I got gotten sucked into where I've lost my interest because they fail to have that emotional hook for me to be a part of. Now, I come to this one predisposed because I was already a fan of Next Gen and already a fan of these characters. But what you're describing is the thing that will stick with you. The, the thing is that emotional connection to what you got that is different from all the other noise, all the other media choices that were out there that didn't resonate with you. So even if we can all sit here and pick apart the story, pick apart the details, but morals, meanings, messages, you know, <laughs> when we get around to that, like th oh, yeah. that's, that's still important for yeah the, the way that it hit you and i think that that really goes back to a point that norman has been making on our show uh in weeks previous to this which is okay how much of that emotional connection just outweighs the other aspects of the show that you could or would pick apart and dismiss i mean that that was cosmos call at the top of our show oh yeah was saying that you know uh, and Carlos makes a great point. He goes, these seven actors were telegraphing volumes with just a look. They were all so good. Yeah. And I think that's a credit yeah. to the show. And But at the same time, though, I think that it doesn't give us more than those characters were. Right. You know, they're great. They, it's kind of like you can't go above redlining or else it's just going to there's going to be a systems failure. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that Patrick Stewart wasn't good. He was great. I think the, I mean, I, I hate to say that it's like, you know, everyone deserves a trophy for trying, but you know, the only real, I think the only real award that anyone should get from these shows are, are, are the, are the emotions that are locked inside that, that, <laughs> that they pull out from you, right? Everyone's going to connect to a certain scene or a point differently. I mean, I started bawling 
right? As soon as they walked onto the bridge of the, of the D falling, right? And it's because the music swelled and it was just like, and I wasn't, I wasn't emotional because of what I saw. I was emotional thinking about how they felt. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's oh, why man. I was emotional yeah. because I just couldn't get into their headspace. Like how, how, like, how are they going to just get through this? What are they feeling at this time? How yeah. many of those 30 plus years of memories are flooding back all in an instant, just from seeing that carpet again, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> amazing. Right. And yeah. maybe that's, maybe that's good enough. Right. Maybe. I, I would, I would Possibly. like to see, I would like to see the show and a lot of these actors nominated for something anywhere, just because look, Todd Stashwick has flown under the radar for entirely too long. I'm so glad that he gets the prominence and the recognition from this show. Uh, Frakes sells himself short as an actor. And I think he's, look, whatever award we can give him (laughs) as an actor and or director, let's do it. Um, And Sir Patrick is, is an institution, you know? Mm -hmm. So yes, I I feel like the, and not to mention production design and so many other aspects of the show that are really, firing on all cylinders so i i would hate to see star trek overlooked yet again yeah. every now and then it picks up you know a hair and makeup award or something like that but yeah, give him a I, nebula yeah, right <laughs> right, right. Yeah. give him coffee in that nebula That's yep. what there you right. go there you yeah go. freaks freaks i guess i guess we'll call him the player coach of the year since he did act and direct at the same time yeah yeah exactly um, yeah yeah and, and norman i i think too going back to your point of feeling that way because you could tell what it meant to them. I feel like just being together as those characters for me, that, that did it too. Like you can feel how much it's not just actors playing parts. It's the amount of themselves that has been invested in these parts that you feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And you, you can tell there's kind of a freedom in the actors doing that. Like they've, they have known and they've inhabited these characters so long that they have the freedom to do that. And it's really cool to watch. Alan, I hate to cut it short. Oh, no. Yeah, we, we got a bunch uh, sure. to go through and I definitely want to hear from everybody. I hope you if, have a great night, my friend. Yeah, if I may, two quick hints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree with you about uh, Enterprise G. They could have yeah, called it the Picard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh uh if we're gonna sign off with our uh with our catchphrase, um I'm partial to Andiamo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You got go. that is yours. That is yours. It'll go on your t shirt. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Have Alan. a good awesome, one, guys. Man. Take yeah, care. Man. Have a good one. Later. And let's say hi to Paul. Paul, I was just singing your praises to a friend of mine who is an expert model builder. I hope everything is well with you. Everything is well. Good, John Champion, good. Norman right. Hi, uh, Roddenberry Podcast. Great to see you too. I've been off for three weeks because I was so livid after one of these episodes. I called in and hung up. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am on a, a minority, I believe. I um, I come up with two words: introspection and choices. Um, uh-huh. Seasons one and two resounded with me, much as they were promised by Patrick Stewart as being an introspective, you know, kind of look at his life and how to mm-hmm. face, you know, aging. And I got those things from those two episodes or those two seasons. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's how to study death, how to study saying goodbye to friends. You know, those two mm-hmm. seasons are wrapped up in that. This season was a 
in my opinion, I'm very happy that Star Trek is popular with so many people, but it was empty for me. Um, just, you know, they told me what it was going to be. It's what it was. And I had two emotional strong points. One was when Tavin was evaporated by Vatic. I literally broke into tears and they, yeah. they had this character they developed and then just eliminated her um, in a dreadful way. Yeah. And then when Shaw died, I literally was screaming at the television. The rest of it, I've just watched it for the second time. I get nothing. I said goodbye to these characters a while ago. Yeah. And this is just an extended goodbye. And I think uh, this would have been well-placed about 10 years ago as a three-hour movie. Either, mm. you know, the movie they should have made to make everybody happy. Um, but we didn't have it then. And so where we got to live, it was with the four movies we got in Star Trek The Experience. And I had that opportunity to say goodbye there. So this was sort of, um, you know, not necessarily something I'm going to rewatch right away, other than for some of the special features. I'll buy it. I'll support Star Trek. But yeah, I think there's a little bit of um, hubris in, in, in Mr. Metallus, you know, in, in all the things he did that offended the hell out of me. A, he ignored the first two seasons, except we're convenient. He took the liberty of renaming uh, the Titan, which yeah. I think really just torqued me. And then as the ultimate slap in the face, after we've said goodbye to Q, he said, no, no, I'm going to bring him back. And I'm like, what kind of ego does it take to do that? And I understand how people talk about how great he is and that kind of thing. And he must have got support from everybody involved. But that's where I feel. Um, I'm a one and two fan as I support this. And we actually, <laughs> you know, own costumes from, yeah. from two of those seasons. So, you know, yeah. not my favorite, but I wanted to get my word in here on, uh, you know, I've dodged the last three weeks. So, <laughs> man. Uh, well, look, I, I can't wait to have the extended version of this conversation in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. 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 We're going to that uh, pizza place, Paul. You and, and John and I, we're going to get some yeah, slices. Yeah, we're going to go. For I, sure. I, yeah. You know, and I just had to let it out there that, you know, there are people who aren't embracing this as the greatest thing ever. I think it's a revisit of, you know, old ideas that I said goodbye to 15 years ago and didn't really need to see it. So 10 years ago, the actors would have been, you know, a little younger. Um, it's a hard sell for somebody my age in retirement to know that somebody 10 years older than me is running around saving the galaxy. You know, mm. um, I'm saying that as a realist and, and I'll end with this morals, meanings, messages. I got something out of season one, you know, we let a friend go and we helped him. Season two, we said goodbye to somebody else who was affecting our lives. And unfortunately, on this season, and these are going to sound dreadful, but here's what I got. Mm -hmm. I have a second captain in the Star Trek community is an absent father, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other, yeah. the other two things that happened is basically you're watching this genocide helped by mankind for the Borg and these changelings who we helped create and modify. And I find both of those things incredibly disturbing and nothing to be cheering about. So there we go. We'll look forward to Vegas. Brett, live, bravo. Live long yeah. Hey, no, we're, we're going to bring the mission log soapbox just for you. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Yeah. But, but here's why I'm so interested in your take on this, Paul, because you're, um, you're you're hitting points that I keep kicking around in my head and you're doing it this very impassioned way. And you are also a fan from way back. You were a fan of Star Trek for many, many years. And you are ideally in the eyes of Terry and Paramount Plus and the marketers therein. You're ideally that audience who goes, oh, yes, they made a next generation farewell just for me to to correct all the wrongs and fix all the slights in the past. 
And you're saying like, no, no, I already did that. I did, even if they were imperfect, I did that back then. Um, and I think it's really important to hear that opinion right now. Particularly at the cost of three new characters that you spent a lot of time developing. Yes. When they, yes. I, I tell you, that's, I literally couldn't call. I couldn't talk to you, to whoever in Holly because mm. I was going to go nuts and I didn't want to do that in live TV. This wasn't oh, passionate I like enough, that. but yeah. I, 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 mean, I encourage people to join Patreon, come to yes. Vegas, yes. find, find the three of us and we will we'll be have discussing this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clear. Well, it's like, you know, you can hear the emotion in your voice and I applaud, I applaud you. Mm -hmm. uh, for saying what you said, you have every, I mean, as, as much as every caller or anyone who chimes in in chat has the right to say theirs, you have the right to say yours. And I want to say this, and I'll put this on the record because this is something that I actually put in my notes. Criticism isn't hate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Criticism isn't hate. Star Trek fandom is not love it or leave it. Right. It's passion. Okay. This is, this is how I don't want to see the fandom operate moving forward. Right. Valid, thoughtful, and well-crafted criticism is not shorthand for being a hater. Yeah. Right? Star Trek is not a sacred cow. Right? <laughs> yeah. And one of Star yeah. Trek's greatest tenets is infinite diversity in infinite combinations. And any fan has the right to bring this level of rational, critical thinking and articulation to the discussion. That is how you build discussion. That is how you build discourse. And this is how we encourage that. And I think that, Paul, you being able to do that is the right step forward. Just as much as people have a right to say, I love it, you have just as much right to say that these have, uh, these have caused issues for me as a fan. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should encourage more of this kind of conversation. Well, you, you, were getting, <laughs> you were getting a lot of bravos in the chat, people saying this is the kind of discourse that we are here for. So, uh, yes, thank you Just, and more to come. Take yeah. notes and and don't call on, on emotion. Take your notes and do it rationally. <laughs> so, with that, it. I defer to the, the, the one and only John Arminio. Appreciate everything he brings to the table as well. Live long and prosper, uh, fans. I we Thanks, take care. Paul. See you soon, Paul. Right. Bye. Uh, and with that, John Arminio, look at the introduction you got, my friend. Yeah, I got, I got to follow Paul. That's yeah, he warmed the audience for you. <laughs> now did. go. Right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, I think philosophically, I completely agree with everything Paul said. Um, but like, like Magneto is right philosophically. I, I have to <laughs> temper the, the, the vehemence of it. Like I, I can't escape the fact that I just didn't enjoy the first two seasons of Picard. And I felt definitely emotionally manipulated by certain elements of the nostalgia in season three. Um, Sort of like how in the first, um, the first second trilogy in Jurassic Park, like the first Jurassic World movie, where they, they play the John Williams theme as they're like looking at the gift shop. Yeah, it's like you didn't earn that. <laughs> yeah, you, you haven't earned earn that this moment yet, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, like a lot of people, I was won over by so many of the the performances and like I mentioned last week the, the father son reconnection that I, I found so so personally affecting but I, I think you know 
not only the, the nostalgia of mine um, is not infinite, I think for me going forward, the reason detra of Star Trek is morals, meanings, and messages. Mm. And so when you have television just formatted like this with 10 mini movies composing sort of a 10-hour film, I think that becomes much more difficult to actually have a coherent, like thematic and philosophical standpoint, like you do with episodic television. And that's one of the reasons why I have such a soft spot in my heart for Star Trek Insurrection, because I think that's the only TNG film that really takes the morals, meanings, and messages seriously. As spectacular as First Contact is as a sci-fi action-adventure film, I think the spirit of Star Trek really lives in in insurrection. Hard agree, my friend. And and if the lesson of Star Trek going forward is this is what makes Paramount's subscribers go up, I don't know what that holds for the what makes star trek special to me which is its ability to comment on humanity right now and maybe give us a light going forward that is uh god as always uh, that is so well said (laughs) thank you and and it it dovetails i hope with what i was kind of getting at earlier which is uh in response to Tim, you know, what is the legacy of the show? And that's really the thing that concerns me because there is this level where it's entertaining and it's nice to get these emotional beats from these characters and be in that world again. Um, and I might be overreacting a little bit here when I ask, like, what is what actually is the point of the show? Because if the point of the show is just to appease that section of fandom who felt not like Paul Harvath did, but who felt like they didn't get the ending they wanted 20 plus years ago and needed to be with those characters again, then is that Star Trek then telegraphing to another part of a potential audience? Hey, guess what? This Star Trek is not for you. Yeah, because this Star Trek is for the people who just need to be there with those characters again, as opposed to what we all say to each other as fans most often. And no, 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 Star Trek is this big universe, this big tent where we talk about big ideas because it's fun and it's entertaining and there's action and there's great characters. But its whole reason, its whole reason for being is that we get to have these conversations and these allegorical stories about morals, meanings, messages, ethics, philosophy, and heart and humanity. And I'm not saying that season three of Picard is completely bereft of that. Mm -hmm. um, But I feel like anything that was in there is competing mightily with that part of the show that is designed for that audience who's been waiting 20 plus years to see this. And, and by doing that, I, I, I do honestly feel like you're leaving out a chunk of the audience. Now I will partially defeat my own argument by saying on a certain level, that's okay because now we've got five series on the air at the same time. Yeah. And if this is just designed for those people, I guess so be it because I hope that there are a lot of other up and coming fans or 
those who are Star Trek curious <laughs> who will dive into Prodigy or Strange New Worlds or Discovery or something where maybe the bar of entry is a little lower. And I, what what makes me sort of, I don't want to say d- disappointed, but not as thrilled with this sort of formulation of Star Trek is like if you look at an episode like Measure of a Man, mm-hmm. using Patrick Stewart as mm-hmm. the mouthpiece for your philosophical discourse is one of the most powerful tools of this kind of storytelling that we've ever seen in any medium for him to give that Picard speech is incredibly powerful. And when we are gifted those tools as viewers, I, I don't want to see those thrown away just to get a shot of the crew on the D again, as much as I love the enterprise D as much as TNG is my show. um, And as, as a, you know, heartbreaking as it is just to see Jordy look at data and say data, you know, that's always yeah. <laughs> going to yeah. get me. But I think, you know, he's, you know, this is just such an extraordinary cast. And I think with the right writers, you can make such profound statements about who we are as a species and where we can go and what our potential is that I, I as fun as it is to be on the D I, I don't want to see that that squandered. No, I will see. Isn't that kind of the problem, though, with also where we are now, 30 years past and just by very nature of the production in 1989? I think that's when Measure of Man, uh, somebody can correct me or not. You you don't have to correct me, but let's say, (laughs) you know, yeah, uh, but but, uh, you're in the thick of a show with this great, talented cast that just has to make a great story week after week after week. Right. That that's the goal. Just use the resources we have to make a great story. Now, 30 years later, it has become this self-referential thing that yep. has to exist in this universe that is constantly sort of folding back in on itself, that is aware of the greatness of these characters, as opposed to just the characters being great. Yeah, and, and, and that is a much more difficult parameter to write within than just saying, look at the sandbox I have. Look at the ship, look at the crew, look at the ideas. Let's go with that. And as you just said, let's put this powerful speech in the most powerful mouth on board uh, the ship who is in our cast. Yeah. But now that it's like you can't do that anymore. I I don't think it's impossible. Mm -hmm. But but now it's all this baggage of 30 years behind it that makes that an even more difficult task, even though it shouldn't be because Mm -hmm. you still have these incredible writers and you have more resources than you did before. And with the fan reaction to just the idea of Star Trek Legacy, Mm -hmm. I think a show with the word legacy in the title is going to go in having that exact problem. Yep. I well, it sets totally the expectations agree. a little yeah. too askew, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're expecting callbacks as opposed to like, you know, newer and fresher and untried material. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, but that's the, that's the big balancing act. Actually, one of our, uh, 
you know, Discord subscribers, uh, Pax Federatica. He, he has mm-hmm. put this eloquently on our, on our boards. He, you know, he says we're in a very precocious situation here with, you know, uh, streaming networks and they're looking at the formula, you know, to mm-hmm. be able yeah. to maintain and boost subscriptions. And if that formula is callbacks to nostalgia, <laughs> then look who's doing it best. Star Trek's doing it best. And right now, Star Wars is doing it best with Mandalorian, with Book of Boba Fett, you know, and now they're even kind of like nostalgia, uh, you know, um, leaning uh, towards the next new couple seasons like Ahsoka and leaning on Rebels. And I mean, it's like there comes a point where the new material is just becoming, you know, a little bit more finely tuned as, as some type of delivery system for the nostalgia. You know, and I'm not sure if it is organically happening that way or formulaically happening that way, because, again, the number one thing is protect the subs or grow them. You know, it's either you're going to grow laterally or you're going to grow forward, but you can't, you know, you can't retreat on subs. So I hate to say it that way, but that is, you know, kind of like the the numbers game that's happening. And uh, and it's unfortunate that, you know, our content is going to be directly affected by that because then it doesn't allow our or our our content to be developed in the best possible manner. Look, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but I'm about to, and we can take this up at, at another time. Sure. But for all the cries for a Star Trek legacy, I want to say, look, you got it. You got Star Trek legacy. It's called season three of Star Trek Picard. So <laughs> let's, you know, let, Put we a can be done with that right. now, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I, I, I think Jerry Ryan is amazing and seven of nine is such a cool character. And if we get even a, you know, a, a couple episode mini series out of that story, cool. I'm, I'm down for that. But I think there are also other great stories to be told, you know, in the thread, uh, I think it was Paul, one of our Pauls saying Star Trek needs an enterprise. And somebody else responded to it and say, yeah, they got it. It's called Strange New Worlds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so we can keep expanding this universe, you know, and not just do the same thing and tip the hat to nostalgia each time. John, we got two more calls tonight to round yeah. out. We're already running a bit late. Do you have a, a parting thought or uh, shall we carry this on? Uh, uh, some of no, the I've, I've said my piece. Thank you so much. You, you guys are great. Thank you. Hey, thanks, John. Fabulous Thanks. to see you till next Thanks. time. And uh, our penultimate caller, Sheree, welcome from the Bridge hey! Enterprise. Ooh, that is Johnny too. That made that made John Arminio the anti-penultimate. Thank you, Holly. Did. Yes. Uh, and then yes. now Sheree is the penultimate. Yeah. Sheree, what is on your mind tonight? Ah, well, um, I will <laughs> say that um, even though I had a great time watching this season, um, I do think a lot of the criticisms about it are completely legitimate i just as as you could tell from my background really really uh (laughs) (laughs) really love certain parts of star trek and yeah sure i'm I'm happy with them also i really do feel like the for the individual characters this season was very good i i liked the development of the majority of the individual characters i thought was a great evolution of their character and I don't really have any complaints of individual character, but I agree with um, a lot of the other criticisms that for Star Trek as a whole and like the morals and the meanings and stuff didn't really move anything forward. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I agree with what Rand said, but like you guys, I kind of feel a different way about it. Like you just took Star Trek, you took those action figures 
and then you played with them and then you put them back exactly where they were and it's like like i said the individual characters actually they had character growth and i really appreciated that and i really liked that Mm. but the star trek as a whole it didn't push forward anything about star trek as a whole and my concern with that is they'll see how popular the season was with a lot of the fans and then they'll be like well that's what they want and they won't take any risks particularly with the canceling of discovery i'm really worried because i you know discovery isn't perfect but at the same time i really loved all the risks that discovery took and i feel like when they when they did work it they really worked well and it was amazing um but i think that a lot of um like a lot of corporations <laughs> that make media <laughs> don't necessarily want to take risks they just want to get but we'll give them the most money Sheree, um, he, so, here, here's yeah. what's disturbing here's what's <laughs> disturbing you're saying all of that and i'm thinking to myself you just reached into my mind pulled the <laughs> words out that i wanted to say and express them so perfectly and eloquently and at the same time as that earl was saying in the chat i feel like sheree just read my mind so this is very disturbing and uh, you are very talented with that Vulcan mind mouth. i know i know but but what you're doing doing i i love this because it it shows what i hope our entire audience has and that is this critical mind where we can enjoy things we can also critique them and we can have a conversation about it as opposed to devolving into it, taking cheap shots and dismissing other people's opinions you're you're doing exactly what we have always ever wanted out of this show <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh, uh so thank you for that and thank you for the really creepy weird part about reading our minds <laughs> yeah. i wanted to go well, into the I'm whole glad. risk is our business soliloquy like risk uh so close <laughs> yeah risk <laughs> is our business yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah um and i i will say that like specifically just in general for this season the thing that even like while I was watching it, I was so excited when they first had the changelings and then they're just a red herring for the Borg. And I just feel like that's deeply disappointing because the changelings are such interesting. And if we'd seen like an assimilated changeling or like, what would that even do to the Borg? That's so fascinating. And they didn't give us any of that. So that was very disappointing. Uh, I agree. Definitely agree. And yeah. I'm wondering um, if uh, any of this is going to go into like the spinoff worlds of, you know, novels or comics or, you know, maybe into Star Trek online. I don't know, but I like getting my story in the vehicle that the main story is told. I don't like having to, you know, sift yeah. and search through, you know, yeah. a bunch of different other peripherals, you know, to do that. But it, it might be. And I know that I've, I've heard discussions like, yeah, it might be explained away in something else. And like, well, good for that so well, you shouldn't have to have that yeah you, you shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't i don't think yeah. yeah 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 um yeah i i got nothing else to add to that because you you summed it up perfectly <laughs> yeah uh any other final thoughts tonight um i did want to end on some pros so it wasn't mm-hmm. all hey. like i said i enjoyed i enjoyed watching it i 
I want to I want to give a message out to the, the corporation at large. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just don't just keep doing this or then I will stop enjoying it. Um, good. But, um, good. Uh, but I mean, I had a good time. Um, I will. I actually I do want to throw in one one more complaint of them killing Roe and uh, Shelby. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad none of the main characters died, but it's it's kind of bad when you take both of those like really strong excellent female characters from next gen and you're like just bring them back very briefly just to murk them right away and it's like yeah. don't know how to feel about that i i thought roe is heroic and unexpected uh but also perfectly in character i thought uh, shelby was just a cheap shot yeah I, you know and mm-hmm. I, I remember on that episode here talking about it and then somebody in the chat saying but we didn't actually see her die and like she's dead they come on <laughs> they they killed her okay. we certainly didn't see her yeah. alive at the end so no <laughs> no right. we didn't like we did tuvok yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. okay <laughs> so but mm-hmm. i will say for the individual characters like i love deanna's moment of like being like i know where they are she finally got to use her powers for yes. something that wasn't just like the romulans are angry with us <laughs> like yeah we know deanna um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. like beverly got to be really cool and she got to use her medical knowledge for really cool things my favorite episode of this season is still like the, the jellyfish episode i was yeah. like mm. oh, i think it was episode the three the space jellyfish oh i yes. loved it um, yeah. So I loved that those characters got such great individual moments, but yeah, it's disappointing that it didn't push the series forward more as a whole. Like I actually really liked the Gerardi Borg from the end of season two. I liked mm-hmm. that, like, oh, we could maybe, we could maybe let the Borg become part of the Federation. We could maybe like find some sort of compromise because that's actually supposed to be like it's not supposed to be about war and destroying your enemies that's never what star trek's been about it's about right finding a way to you know understand other life forms and yeah. so it's really disappointing to me that none of new trek seems to be very good at tying itself together with previous seasons they're like oh well let's just forget about everything like shaw even basically says that in one of his speeches and it's like that's really disappointing because, yeah, yeah, the first two seasons of Picard have their faults and I didn't love them. But at the same time, um, the the point of writing a story is maybe to improve on those ideas, not to just completely forget them and pretend they never happened. Right, right, right. <laughs> Fair to say. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, Sheree, can't wait till we get to do this again. So uh, thank you for your call and have a great night. We'll move on to our <laughs> final caller tonight and uh, wrap this thing up so we can let poor Earl go into post-production and uh, and finish this thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so welcome to the show, our last caller tonight. Lou, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Lou. Yeah, Lou is muted. Lou is muted. Lou, please turn on your microphone. Please turn on your mic. Why do they do that? There you are. It's a great right. intro. Now I got to start over again. Or not? Or uh, not? Yeah. What's on your mind? Well, in, uh, I, I, I thank you for um, uh, going in the in the tradition of the NHL playoffs. We're going into uh, mission log overtime. So yeah, we are. I appreciate that. Was it, is it is it sudden death like next joke or next point wins? Like I don't know. 
Um, as long as it's a good one, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, some of the uh, some of the readers or listeners may not know this, and I, it's been a while since I spoke to you, John. Uh, and I think since we last met, um, I got my first paid gig as a stand-up. And I say this to say this: my biggest fear is following a comedian who does the same jokes as I do, and I have nothing to say. So I've I've listened to about seven or eight callers making point after point that I had written down on my notes. So I've been I've been sweating up a storm here trying to think of something else that I can add. I See, will, they're that good. Next time, yeah. get in the mid show, and uh, it'll all be. Yeah, good. you got to find yeah. the sweet spot in the yeah. middle. It's, that's why guys like the back cleanup and not at the end of the lineup. I will. Uh, I will say. Um, I don't remember who said what, but as as an actor of, uh, shall we say, a certain age, I'm very encouraged to see, um, shall we say, seasoned citizens lighting up the screen. I'm a big fan of uh, shows like uh, uh, Grace and Frankie, where you have six mm-hmm. and seven year olds who can still contribute. Mm-hmm. Which is what I tell my agent every day. Um, not that I'm bitter. But um, I, I, I don't think that that uh, maybe Picard, but I don't think that Riker or uh, Troy or Worf or Jordy should be into forced retirement just because they have seen X amount of uh, voyages around the sun. Uh, so I, I would not I, I, I was actually very, very pleased with it was hit and miss, but I think uh, season three of Picard was more hit than miss. Mm-hmm. There were things that I didn't that, that I didn't enjoy. I couldn't figure out when they were going to bring in this one or that one. And um, uh, I, I thought that it blended well as as a performer. I looked towards the acting and the writing and I thought it was generally top notch. Like you said, I think it was uh, John. John said that uh, that Frakes is. I think underrated as an actor. I was mm-hmm. glued to him on the screen. There were there were lines that were written for him. The the the, the banter between him and Worf was was excellent. There were funny moments. Um and and and, and Worf played the funny man, straight man, the the the, the Frank Dribben, if you will, very, very well. I appreciated that. Um I uh I don't uh I was torn as to whether they were going to let Seven introduce a catchphrase. I, I, I guess it could leave us wanting more and wanting to fill in that gap. But Oh, it, it was very calculated to make us wonder what yeah. would happen if there is now a series with Captain Seven of the USS Enterprise. Um, yeah. And it, you know what? I, there are all kinds of calculated moves to spin off a series or make a sequel. I I get it, uh, <laughs> but was it a little too on the nose? And then was it even more on the nose yeah, to have Q a little dropping at the end? Yeah, was, there, there's a well, lot I was going to mention that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, the, the, I mean, all that was missing was for Seven to like wink at the camera. Yeah, like, yeah almost yeah. waiting for that. Yeah. But I I will say, uh, and and I love John Delancey. I I, I love the arc last year. I should point out, at least I thought that. Seasons one, two, and three were were not, as far as I could, I could judge, not even really connected one with the other. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were totally different plot lines, totally different storylines, and if you if you can watch a season 
um, without having watched the other seasons and be totally immersed in, in, in what's going on for those, those 10 episodes, which is not what you see in other series in terms of character growth and continuation. That's but, fair. Um, uh, I, I was watching the, the finale. I was going to watch it again. I didn't have time, but I, I felt that, okay, so this is the finale. So this is going to happen with Jack and we're okay with that. Oh, okay. So the next game characters are gathering in the, in the, um, uh, the 10 forward port poker room. And okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I, 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 there's only so many curtain calls you can do as a, as a performer. And after a while you want to leave the audience wanting more. And then you bring in Pew and Jack. This is the last episode of the series or even of the season. And it's, it's, it's like uh, a reveal that nobody was asking for that nobody needed and that it took me out of it. I was, I was PO'd for a while. I thought, why would they do that? There's no plans for a sequel of the series. You don't want to, put a, a completely unnecessary and uncalled for, uh, 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 I, I won't say plot hole, but complication in there. You're trying to tie everything up. And uh, I, I, that, that just, that just. Well, that, that is the part that's the very cynical wink to the audience. We know we're making yeah. a TV show. We know we've got you hooked. So use your imagination. But it's yeah. also kind of like the open door that will never close. Everyone's waiting for yeah. it to happen and it may never. And it's, yeah, I understand it. It was it's an interesting beat to leave on, and yeah. um, like I, I think I even said this in um in my wrap up. Like I I love John Delancey as Q. I do. He's great. Yeah, but... I I just don't think that I loved how they ended the series with John Delancey as Q. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? it was right. it, it it didn't feel right, and and just 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 the fact that it is Star Trek Picard, it should have uh, uh, dovetailed with the. Uh, the poker for, uh, poker scene from All Good Things, all the all the next generation gathered uh, uh, cast gathered together, and that would have been fine. I think it would have um, it, it would have closed the book on this uh, on this very nicely, and I thought better than this. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I appreciate the comments. Uh, and by the way, you know we we are we're, we're so far past time, but I you did bring up something earlier in your notes uh, about the cast being of a certain age. And I also had that down in my notes. It's something that I want to carry on as a conversation some other time, whether on this show or on stage somewhere, because I, uh, on the one hand, I really respect this show for having older actors in uh, a plot line that is driven by them. I also think there is a cynical and dangerous thing about fandom hidden in there as an unintended message. So uh, I will tease the audience with that as I further flesh out my notes, because it, it struck me the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is great. And then I thought, is this really where we want to go with this? And uh, that is my tease. You guys catch me in Vegas or whenever, and we will carry on that conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, final thoughts tonight. Uh, I give you the last line and then Norman last line. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm just grateful every, every Monday that I can tune in to have, uh, to have you guys there to, fill in the gaps and uh, your, 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 your audience, some of the most insightful people I have met virtually in fandom 
they will answer the questions that I didn't even know I needed to answer. So that's that, that's why we do this show because they do. I'm not worthy. It's perfect. I, that's, that's, that's it. And I, oh, uh, Mike, Mike, drop. Mike, drop, Jeff. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. Exactly. Thanks, Lou. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, and with that. Mission Log Live at last is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the inoculable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Norman, who we finally got to do this together. I'm so glad, my friend. Yes. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later next week. Holly and Norman will be back one more time before the break with a special guest. So we hope that you will join us for that. We look forward to seeing you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.